This weekend, we're going to do something a little bit different. We have been talking about the subject of give and go, and this is our last weekend to do this. Uh, and uh, what I decided to do was to ask the people that have been on the mission trips, that have been in the videos, that have been given the testimonies over the last several weeks that you've seen on the video, for them to come out and for them to join us and just kind of interview them. So would you welcome, uh, these are just Life Church people just like you, would you give them a warm welcome as they come out? We're just going to ask some questions today that I think you would ask, uh, some practical things, and, uh, and so we're going to get started here. Why don't everybody introduce themselves and then tell us where you went. Hi, I'm Jennifer Miller, and I went on the Ethiopia trip back in September. Cindy Jams, and I went to Ethiopia also. Odetta Jeffries, Ethiopia. Telvin Jeffries, and I spent the last three years going to Quito, Ecuador. Kristen Romakowski, I went on the New York trip. Steve Grabosh, I got my car and went to 30th and Burleigh, Milwaukee. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Now, um, I want to start, I want to ask you this question, Kristen, because you're, you're a high school student. You went to New York this past summer. That was about $950, and this is going to kind of be for everybody, but I want to start with you. When you're talking about a mission trip, you're talking about money, you're talking about finances, the big question that is, is how do you pay for it? So why don't you tell us how you paid for it? Um... Actually, one day my parents said, you're not going unless you figure, come up with money to pay for it. So they, your parents said, you weren't going unless you had the money to pay for it. Yeah. So right. how do you come up with money to pay for a trip like that? Um, I wrote letters out to people. Um, I made some phone calls. I put letters in, like, neighboring, like, neighbors saying, oh, can you just pray for me for this? And that same day, I got a check from my aunt for the whole $950. Wow. So the whole amount. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great. So God will get it through you. He'll get it to you if he can get it through you, right? Yeah. Oh, good. Uh, Steve, talk a little bit about it for you. I actually need, the budget for mine was quite high. <laughs> I, I felt led to get a warehouse in the inner city. Uh, so it was uh, kind of an unattainable goal. I'm like, God, how is this going to happen? Um, and through a series of miracles, um, God led the owners of this building that I've been looking at to uh, lease me the building for a dollar. So uh, it's kind of just a God thing. Nothing I can say that made it happen. Wow. Jennifer or Odetta, anybody? Um, actually, uh, Telvin and I budgeted um, um, our vacation savings to go to on our mission trip. Awesome. For me, it just came out of our budget. Um, God supplied it. I don't know how it happened, but we also had two kids that went on the teenage missions trip. So for us, it was a little over $4,000 that year. Wow. And that's a, that was a pretty, pretty tight time. I mean, that was like, you know, August, September. That's all kind of happening pretty quickly. Yeah, the kids went in August. We went in September. So not like it spread out. Leaving for college. And <laughs> wow. It was, it was big, but God, God was faithful. Awesome. Jennifer? Um, we had just moved into a new house fairly close to the time that we were going to be leaving for Ethiopia, and we had um, put aside a certain amount of money for some home improvements and things like that. So we just made a decision as a couple that we would put off those improvements for a year or what, however long it took just so that we were able to um, take that trip. Cool. Awesome. Now, talk to me a little bit about when you're going on a mission trip, there are sacrifices, and all of you have different things. Uh, and tell me, maybe we'll start with you, because you were going to Ecuador, uh, three times, two times, twice a year for three years. So did like your company just say, hey man, you're going to go do this, just take some extra time, the company will pay for that. 
What does that look like? I mean, that really, reality, just sacrifices you had to make. No, I mean, basically, it was that I had to take the vacation time. You know, if you get four weeks or so of vacation a year, you just kind of say, I'm going to take the vacation time. And then the prep time to actually prepare to do the trip. Um, and a lot of times, I actually got grief from people saying, okay, you're doing that again. Why are you taking your vacation time to do that? But it was something that I just knew I needed to do and had committed to and really enjoyed. So, uh, you know, I just kept doing it. Awesome. Somebody else, talk to me about sacrifice. Maybe you had to make a, a sacrifice to be there or do that. Go ahead. Go ahead, Jen. Okay. Um, for us, yeah, financial sacrifice, but also just being a, a parent and a mom of a five- and seven-year-old, just being away from them for a week and away from missing their activities and just being gone and all the prep time that it took prior to going with our gatherings and prayer times and just a lot. There was a lot more than just that week that was a sacrifice sure. on awesome. the family. Awesome. Steve? Uh, last time I didn't answer the question because it was, it's such, to me that's the hardest question because on the other side when you're walking into a sacrifice it feels like a sacrifice but each time you make it God turns it around so amazingly that it wasn't a sacrifice at all. You know, I mean I think go back to the beginning I was just volunteering Monday nights was all I was willing to give up for this and, and Monday nights became the best part of my entire week that God would move through these Bible studies and we started a, a meal program, and it was like, oh, now we got to do this. And, and we went, and it was just this amazing thing. And then, you know, when God led me to kind of leave my, my day job, all of a sudden I'm like, oh, God, how are you going to provide for this? And now we're going to see miracles happen of provision that really weren't even necessary before because, oh, we had the money. Wow. And so it's just, to me, the sacrifice is, is not even worth considering compared to the miracle of what God does each time you step out is just amazing. Sure, that's awesome. Anybody else? Kristen? Um, I think the biggest sacrifice I had to make was humbling myself and putting myself out there to reach out to the people in New York. And um, what we did was we handed out granola bars and a card with all the locations of this church on it. And once the people like started saying like what is this that was when we got to talk to them and that's where i had to make the sacrifice to put myself out there and be like well if i'm not going to be a fool for anybody i might as well be a fool for jesus like he created me so it was probably the biggest sacrifice putting myself just kind of getting out there and doing that and that's a big deal any of the rest of you feel like I mean, there's a certain fear or like i've never done this this is what if this happens share that a little bit anybody else like, I didn't really want to go speak to a group of people who actually spoke a total different language than I did and have to work through a translator, which was extremely difficult, <laughs> um, to have people actually looking at you the whole time going, what are you saying? So it kind of builds your confidence, I guess. Yeah. Right? right. Um, because you're like, okay, I'm just getting through this, even if you got it or not. Um, so, right. you know, but by the, you know, by the, you know, by the second or third time you kind of get into, you find your voice. And so for me, it actually helped me maybe, and even professionally as well, because like I found my voice through this whole process. Wow. That, that's awesome. Why don't you talk about that? Just Because there's a lot of, uh, of people that are sitting out, Telvin, that they're in a professional community and, and, and you're talking about how that translated, this experience translated even there. How did that, how does that translate? Well, for me, you know, in my job, I generally have to communicate or have to get in front of people and speak publicly a lot. But, I mean, I really don't, didn't really like it um, because I just never felt comfortable with my voice and, you know, just what I wanted to say. And now, if, through this experience, I actually, I mean, it's just clear to me, 
like things just flow easier. And so, you know, when I say I found my voice, I know, you know, I'm confident in my ability to communicate publicly. And so I didn't have that before, even though I did it all the time. Right. That's awesome. Now, Jen, you and Odetta have small kids. You talked about this a little bit. Talk to the moms that are out there that go, there's no way I can be away from my babies for a week or my husband's going to fall apart or, you know, talk about that a little bit. Mark did very well while I was gone, so <laughs> give him props for that. Um, yeah, it's hard as a mom. Obviously, you, you want to be there for, you know, prepping for school and sports, and there's so much that goes on in a week. It's so hard to think about turning all that over for a week. But I think what, what we all found is, first of all, people are so willing to help. When, you know, when you're doing something like this, they would be so happy to bring a meal over or to help in some way. So I think that's one thing as a mom. But also I think that your kids, for the chance to, for you to be a mentor and a, you know, a role model for your children and how important it is to do this is so spectacular for them. Prior to me going, we would talk about it and what I was going to be doing and why I was going to do it. And then afterwards for them, even at five and seven, to see the pictures and to hear the stories, it's, it's completely impacted them also. Cool. So I think that as a mom, I just think it's such a great thing to do as a role model for your children. Awesome. Odetta? Um, with a six-year-old, it, it was an uh, extreme sacrifice and um, kind of hard because she was just starting school. So um, actually, my in-laws came in from North Carolina to assist with my, assist with my husband and with my daughter. I still kind of trying to maintain the family schedule that we were on, um, getting her to her taekwondo and her other activities and also making sure that she was set in school was kind of hard because I wasn't there but um, she survived <laughs> and I survived um, but also the example for any mom I think that um, she kind of was on the journey with me uh, we talked about the Ethiopia trip what I was going to do and then actually when we came back to be able to show her the pictures and to let her see the children that were in need, and also to kind of explain to her that um, there's some kids that do without. And I think she kind of, kind of got an understanding of that. And also, um, I wanted to be an example for her so that one day that seed was sown. I think I placed a seed in her that she'll be able to go on a trip one day. Awesome. Talk to me about your taking time away from your kids, your family, your job. Your, was it worth it? How? Why? Any, any expression? Steve, you're smiling really, really big. <laughs> totally worth it. Um, for me, when I started to go, it was like the difference between living in a coma and becoming a pro athlete or something. It, it's, you, you wake up spiritually. I feel like it is worth it because it lets you taste and see that the Lord is good. It lets you experience that what we read about in the Bible was not just history. It's his story, and it's for today. It's for right now. It's God wants to use us in this room, all of us he has a calling on, to do something amazing in this world. And until you step out and go, you'll never experience it. So it's like, wow. how can you not go? It costs so much more not to go than it does to go. Wow, awesome. You want to say something? Um, I think it was definitely worth it. Uh, just being able to um, communicate with the role models of our society, pretty much. We, we weren't communicating with underprivileged kids in like a third world country. We were on Wall Street communicating with 
the people who run our country, pretty yeah. much. And I think that was the most like rewarding experience for it because we got to preach to them because they're the role models for our country. Sure. Awesome. Now, talk to me a little bit. What was, for every one of you, what was the highlight, uh, the experience, the take-home, the, the moment that you won't forget? What was that? Cindy, you want to start? For me, when we went to the remote village, um, I remember walking through the gate, and the pastor looked kind of surprised to see us there. And he had said that him and his friend prayed and fasted every Tuesday morning. And he was told in a vision by God that some women from a far-off land were going to come and bless their community. And here we are. We walk in the door. And the shock on his face to actually see wow. us foreign women there, he was just like, what are you doing here? But yet he was so amazed that God came through. And, and it was so humbling to walk into his house and to sit there. And I, I remember sitting on the couch going, who am I? that God chose me to be a part of this adventure. Halfway around the world, I'm sitting in this guy's humble house and being served by his family. Um, It was amazing. It's something that I will never, ever forget that feeling. So you're the answer to someone's prayer? Yeah. To to something that God said, wow, that's awesome. And now I'm addicted and want to go on every trip. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody else? Um, Again, I have two. Uh, One, um, definitely the village. Um, again, I remember walking into there and having this feeling that I've never experienced before. And I, once I looked at, around at the, the group and I was like, what is this? And I realized that it was the presence of God. And I would never, ever forget that. And I remember sitting there in the pastor's house and like, I don't want to leave. I don't want to leave. Um, and also, um, the, the youth... Um, their love for God and how they were on fire for Jesus just inspired me to go home and do more. And um, I would never forget their faces, and um, I'm looking forward to go back. Awesome. Tell me. Um, certainly seeing people who, were, who started through the program at the very beginning, and they progressed to be, one person progressed to be a pastor of a church that he started with 70 people, and just to know, you know, what's going to come out of that. But another experience was interesting was um, you and I went to a church and you were led to actually call people up to pray mm. um, about things that were in their life. And, I re- and you asked me to come up behind you and pray. And I remember going behind you each time and you could feel spiritually things breaking from people and people just breaking yeah. down and crying. Actually, even as people, you know, is praying and just walking and laying hands of people, actually, some people actually, just the power of God fell on them. Yeah. But they actually hit the ground. Yeah. I mean, and things were just breaking, and you could feel that. And Had that ever happened before? When never happened before. Yeah, I was right. like, whoa. Um, right. and, you know, as I touch the person, <laughs> and I'm going, something says, she's going down. Um, yeah. And I go, well, what do you do here? Um, and so, yeah, so that was certainly um, one of the amazing experiences. That's awesome. Jim? Yeah, for me also, it was in the village, and um, the remote village that we went to was just outside of the capital city, but to get there, we drove as far as we could, and then we carried everything that we brought to get to the gate, so that whole trip was just leading up to walking through that gate like Odetta talked about, but I think for me, to point out something about the village was about the kids and the women, and looking in their eyes, and just the spirit in there, in that village, and their desire to spread the word of Jesus to the country, through the countryside is what they wanted to do. So I think seeing that 
in the midst of poverty and there's so much despair and everything and they are just so on fire that you come back and it's just like it fills you up to do the same. So Awesome. I just want to go through the gate. Yeah, they keep talking about the gate. Yeah, I'm telling you. It is good. Cindy, I want to ask you a question. You are the mom of two teenage boys that went on student trips, the one that Kristen went on. Uh, tell me, how did that affect your kids? Talk to the parents out here that go, I don't know if I should send my kids or not. Maybe they're ready, they're not ready. Talk about how that affected your boys. I think it's very important to get them out of the suburban bubble and show them what it's like in the rest of the world. But um, the first trip that the boys had gone on, the youngest one had come back and wanted to give everything away. And he wanted, he didn't ask for anything for the next couple of years for Christmases or birthdays. He said, wow. Mom, I have enough. Wow. These kids don't have anything. Give it to Grandma. She can take it over there and give it to them. And um, like I said last week, he asked for something expensive this year, so he's definitely going on the missions trip this summer. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and I really believe that our son, Josh, he um, is away at Bible College this year. But he went on five missions trips through the church, and I honestly believe that um, through the first couple ones that he went on to, that's what led him to want to go into ministry. Wow, through the mission trips that he and was calling the, the ministry. And he kept telling me, you have to go to Ethiopia, you have to go. That's awesome, that's awesome. Well, I want to I ask one last question. Kristen, I'm going to start it with you. What would you say to someone who's on the fence deciding if they should go uh, on a trip or not? What would you say to a student that's hearing this, saying, I don't know if I should go? What would you say? I would definitely say go. Um, I know some parents are kind of on the fence, like, oh, should I let my kid go? And other parents are like, oh, my gosh, go. Leave me in peace for a week. But then um, some of the kids are on, like, the fence about it. I would definitely go. It is one of the most rewarding experiences that you will ever have in your life, and it will change you. Yeah. And you'll never forget that time, I'm sure, where your parents said, if you're going to do this, you got to go, and then God shows up and he pays for it. I would never forget that. Yeah, that's awesome. Steve? Yesterday, my wife was telling one of the kids, if you're bored, it means you're boring. And uh, I would challenge you that if your faith is boring, uh, step out in faith and, and do something. Uh, it, it's, it'll change your life. Awesome. Jen? Um, yeah, I think the, it, it's hard, and I think everyone would agree. When I first thought Ethiopia, I mean, that's the other side of the world. And it's, it's scary, the thought that there's fear there. But... I think once I knew God was calling me to go, and once I made that commitment, we as a team worked and prepared through it. Tammy had us read a couple books. We had prayer time. We had focused every week on what we were preparing our heart for, and so we went together, and you, you work as a team. It's not, it's not scary. It's so amazing going through that whole process leading up to it. So cool. it's the process before and during and after. That's awesome. Awesome. Cindy? Just go. It'll change your life. Um, humbling, you come back and you think to yourself, who am I that God chose me to have all of this when there's people out there that can walk out of a 14 by 14 hut and be completely happy and full of joy. And then there's people sleeping on the streets that have absolutely nothing and they look at you and they see the hope that you have to give them. It Just go. Wow. <laughs> it's awesome. Wow. I definitely say step out on faith and go. Um, I say go and give. Once you go, you'll be able to give. Um, even like a simple smile or a simple touch, um, you never know how far that will go. Um, as far as in, to see God in a whole new light, um, when I came back, uh, my whole 
thought process of how I thought God was was um, so different, mm. and I see Him so differently now. Wow. Tell me. I mean, I think they said it all best, but one, one, you get to experience God in a way you'd never get to. How else can he go unless we go? I mean, it's right. that simple. Very true, very true. Awesome. Jen, I want to go back to one more thing. Something that you said is that you said, you know, you felt like God said to you to, to go. How do you know that, like, because sometimes we hear that, like, somebody may hear that, well, is God going to, like, speak to me? Am I going to email from God? I mean, how, how do I know that I'm supposed to go? I think for, well, it was at Tables for Six um, on December of 08 that Tammy spoke, and she started talking about Ethiopia, and I'll just never forget the feeling that I had. I was sitting there, my eyes just swelled up, and my heart just, there was just this heavy feeling on my heart that I just, I knew when she was talking about Ethiopia that I needed to go. And then following that, just in prayer and just in talking and, and just things that happened, it just became so clear to me that. I was meant to be there. So not an audible voice, not no. that, but, no but you email. just, you could feel that, that that's just what you're supposed it's to do. It's on my heart, just felt yeah. it on my heart. That's yeah. awesome, that's awesome. Would you give, give, give these guys a big hand? What we're going to do right now is we're going to turn your attention to the screen, and you're going to see what Life Church did, what you did in 2009 to give and go, and then I'll come back and wrap everything up. impact that you have made nationally and around the world. Nationally, you help support the following missionaries and organizations. Don Bader, Intercultural Milwaukee. Michael Berkowitz, Chi Alpha, UW-Madison. Blind Ministry, USA. City on a Hill, Milwaukee. Cecil Colbreth, Youth Alive, USA. Joshua Ernst, Chi Alpha, UW Oshkosh. Germantown Food Pantry, Germantown, Wisconsin. Kent Holbert, Youth Alive, USA. Mark Malowitz, Basics, Milwaukee. Peacemakers, Miami. Wilma Schneider, Book of Hope, Miami. Surge Ministries, Wisconsin. Special Touch, Wisconsin. Teen Challenge, Milwaukee. Matt Wilkie, Convoy of Hope. Life Church, you also help support the following church plants. Connect Church in Tampa, Florida. 
Coastal Church in Daphne, Alabama, Life in Deep Ellum, Texas, and Berkeley Church in Berkeley, California. Globally, you help support Peter Akright, Morocco, Robbie Bradford, Paris, France, David Broberg, Central Eurasia, David Buckley, Hungary, Barbara Cavanis, Asia Pacific, Todd Chapin, Scotland, Troy Darren, Moldova, Convoy of Hope, Global, Equip, Ecuador, Carol Beagleson, Thailand, Fire Bible, Global, John Gowdy, Food for the Hungry, Thailand, Doug Johnson, Russia, Matt Johnson, Sudan, James Matthias Jr., Finland, Wendell McClung, Lithuania, Paul Parks, Ministry to Muslims, Middle East, Sarah and Jacob Peddleton, YWAM, Middle East, Paul Perquet, Ukraine, Renee Pilsing, India, Project Rescue, India, Sam Johnson and Priority One, Malawi, Souls for Jesus, Ethiopia, Brian Richmond, Central Eurasia, Phil Schmidt, Latin America, Chris Stubbs, South Africa, and James Olson, Oaxaca, Mexico. The Children of Life Kids raised $17,600 for missions and were number one in the state of Wisconsin. And the Teenagers of Student Life raised $13,900 and were number two in the state of Wisconsin. In 2009, Student Life Ministries went on two missions trips. The high school students went to New York and the middle school students went to Chicago. And in September 2009, Celebrate Women took six ladies to Ethiopia. With Sam Johnson and Priority One, your financial support built a much needed ministry center in Malawi. Life Church, in 2009, you raised $199,699 for missions. Thank you for making a difference here and around the world. the Lord a hand clap. That's awesome. I just kind of want to wrap things up this weekend. This is this fifth weekend that we've been talking about this give and go. And give comes from the great commandment where Jesus says that as Christ followers, we're to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength and love our neighbors ourselves. 
And the Great Commission, the go, comes from Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20, where Jesus says, if you're a Christ follower, you're to go into all the world and preach and teach the gospel. And so this give and this go, these are mandates. These are commandments that God gave us if we're Christ followers. If we're not Christians, if we're not Christ followers, they're not our responsibilities. But if we're Christ followers, if we profess to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, these are not options, these are not suggestions, these are commandments that we are to be a part of giving and going in the world that we live in. Over the last couple of weeks, we have preached it, we've illustrated it, we've videoed it, we've testified about it, we've paneled it, we've prayed it, we've done everything we can to keep communicating this message. I've had two questions over the last couple of weeks. One, Pastor, do you realize that you're talking about the same subject matter for the last four weeks, now this being the fifth week? Or, and I'm reminded of a pastor, a seasoned pastor, uh, pastor of a large church, in the Midwest that was telling this story that he really felt like God wanted the congregation to get a, a message and, uh, and, and that just wanted to really make sure that the church was off-center uh, and moving forward on a particular issue. So he began to preach the, the, the message, and, and he went from one week to two weeks to six weeks. To, and the, after the 12th week, one of the parishioners came up to him and says, Pastor, do you understand? You're preaching the exact same message week in and week out, just different little here and there, but the same message. And he said, yeah. He said, are you okay? <laughs> and the guy said, yeah, I'm fine. He said, then can I just ask you why? And he said, sure. It's one thing to hear a message. It's another thing to respond to it. And when the church body responds to the message and they begin to act on it, then I'll preach something else. But until then, I just don't think anybody's getting it. It's kind of funny. But, but the deal is, is that George Barna says that, that the average American churchgoer attends church one every three weeks, considers themselves to be a regular attender. So what I know as a pastor is, is that if I say the same thing for three weeks in a row, it's going to probably take three weeks for everybody in the church to hear it once. And so I want to take this message and communicate it in every which way I can because this is going to be a theme as we walk through the year. This is going to be kind of a, a, a missions mantra as we kind of go through the year. And the other thing is, is I just want everybody to be able to be a part of what's happening, of the give and the go. Whether it's around the corner or it's around the world. Now... The other question that I've gotten the last couple of weeks is, hey, pastor, do you realize that we haven't had like a raise your hand, uh, uh, altar call, come forward, let's pray, and, and that kind of a deal? And, th- and to that I said, yeah, I, I realize that <clears throat> because I'm waiting for the last weekend to say, let's act upon what we're hearing. Because I think it's one thing to hear something, it's one thing to pray and kind of do the, you know, the holy touchdown for Jesus, like we just kind of get down on one knee and say, oh God, I surrender all, then we get up and we leave and we go eat fried chicken and we go on with our week or whatever you're going to have today. I think I'm craving five guys. But anyhow, whatever you're, whatever you're going to have today, it's another thing just to sit and really process something and go seriously consider what am I as a Christ follower going to do? What, how can I give? How can I go? What am I going to do? And so today, I'm asking you to act on what we've been talking about the last four weeks. I'm asking you to make a serious decision, and I've been setting you up for this, to, to give and to go, to be a part of this process. And I just want to I, I go to one passage of Scripture very quickly. I'm going to be brief, but just, just one passage of Scripture that just kind of gives a theological expression about what I'm asking you to do. It's in Romans chapter 10. If you have your Bible, you can turn to Romans chapter 10. If you don't, it's going to be on the screen. But... This is what the Bible says about the salvation experience that this is all about. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, the Bible says this. That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. 
For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you confess and that you're saved. Now, we know this is the salvation experience. We know that as Christ followers, that if you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, that's what it means, that you've confessed with your mouth and that you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. And when you do that, you come into right relationship with God. You began the faith journey. You began this relationship with Jesus. And, and the idea is, is that that's not just for you. That's not just for me. That's not just for an American church. But the verse 13, read on. It says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is for everyone. The, the, the heartbeat of God is that everyone that calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The heartbeat of God is not willing that any should perish. It's not willing that any should perish. Because God loved everyone. God loved the whole world. God loved you and me, the people in the third world countries, the people in emerging countries, the up and over, the down and out, the in-between. God loved us so much that he gave his only son, Jesus Christ. That if we would believe on him, we would not perish. We wouldn't die, but we would have everlasting life. John 3, 17 goes on to say that God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world. But that through him the world might be saved. See, the message of Jesus is a message of hope. The message of salvation is a message that you don't have to die in your sins. That you don't have to live in your sins. That you can live, uh, that you can live in the here and now and have life to the fullest. And when this world is over, whenever your time is up on this planet, that you can know that heaven is your home. And that's the great news of the gospel. That's the awesome news of the gospel. And it's for everyone. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord, whoever calls upon the name of God will be saved. So what do we do with this? Well, we read on. Paul says in his theology here in the, to the church in, in Rome, in verse 14 and 15, he asks four rhetorical questions. How then can they call on the one in whom they've not believed in? It's a good question. If you don't know about it, how do you, how do you know? And how can they believe in one whom they've not heard? Well, if they don't know about Jesus, then how can they do that? And how can they hear without someone preaching? Mm, don't shout me down when I'm preaching. Good. And how can they preach unless someone's sent? The bottom line is they can't. If people don't know the truth, they can't be set free. If people don't know that there's another way, they can't follow the other way. If people don't hear the message, they, they'll, they'll never change. And unless someone is sent, unless a missionary is sent, that's what that word missionary means, is a sent one. Unless they are sent to proclaim the good news of the gospel to everyone, this, if I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart, this experience that can change my life today and forever, unless they hear that, they will not come into relationship with God and they won't be saved. So the Bible says, what's the answer to this? Well, it's the rest of verse 15. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. It's a, it's a quote from the prophet uh, Isaiah. When it was foretelling of what would happen with this message of Jesus Christ and a messianic prophecy of the Old Testament. It's missionaries. It's people that are, are, are going. It's people that are living their life. It's the people that you just saw on that screen that you're supporting uh, around the world. It's people that said, I'll go. I'm willing to go. I'll box everything up. I'll go. I'll do what you want me to do, God. I'll be what you want me to be. I teach my kids at an early age, and I was taught this at an early age. If you can't go, then you send. And then when you have an opportunity to go and just kind of be an encouragement to that missionary and be on that mission field, then you go and you be a part of that because it will not only just bless them, but it will bless you in the process. So the answer is missions. 
that someone gives and someone goes. And maybe this year you get to be a part of both. Maybe you only get to do one. But, 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 the, but the idea is that the local church, we're here to do this. We're here to, 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 to be this. And how does this all happen? Verse 17 says this. It describes it theologically. It says, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. So we see that there's a messenger that's preaching God's word, and then faith or salvation is, is, is what results in that. That there's a messenger, that there's a missionary, that there's someone that's there that's sent, and they're preaching the word of God, and by people hearing the word of God, they are saved. Their lives are changed. And sometimes I think that we go, well, I just don't, you know, I mean, that's all great and well and fine, and, and maybe we need to send missionaries. Can, can I just tell you that if it weren't for missionaries, you and I wouldn't be saved? Well, I don't know if I believe that, son. I mean, there's a church on every corner. There's steeples and stained glass. And I mean, I've been in the church. I've been saved for many of my parents were Catholic all the way, and they were Protestant, and they were, no, 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 no. The first century. When Christianity came onto the scene and Jesus gave this life-changing truth to the disciples, to this handful of Jewish men, said, now you go into all the world and you preach and teach the gospel and you give your love to God and to other people and by your love one for another, they're going to know that you're my disciples. And so they began with a reckless abandonment in the first century, giving up of their life. John the disciple, was the only one who was not martyred for his faith, that died of a natural death. And he only died of a natural death because he couldn't be boiled alive. They tried to kill him, and he wouldn't die. So they exiled him to the Isle of Patmos. And on the Isle of Patmos, he has a vision of the book of Revelation, and he writes it down, and that's the last that we hear of John. But every one of the men who followed Jesus died a martyr's death. And those men, with a reckless abandonment, staying one, one foot in, in front of the law, one step in, in front of the government, they were going out and telling everybody about Jesus. And churches began to come up, and things began to happen. And there were guys like Paul and Barnabas, and John Mark, who took missionary journeys, who took the gospel message around the world. There were young men like Timothy who went to the church in Ephesus and through, through his mentoring of Paul's mentoring of Timothy and the church of Ephesus, it grew, scholars say, to around 100,000 people. And Titus goes to this island of Crete, this bunch of peg-leg pirates, a bunch of just vagabonds, and he shares this gospel and the, and the country is saved. And on and on and on we see it. And you go, well, yeah, yeah, we understand that. But do you understand there was a real deliberation that was this gospel message just for Jews or was it for Gentiles? And the last time I looked, most of us in this room would fall into the Gentile category because we're not Jewish. But there was a vision from God that Peter had that this gospel isn't just for the Jews. It's for the world. You and I better thank God every day that he said everyone who calls the name of the Lord will be saved. Not just God's chosen people that he had covenant with, because that's not us. We know in the book of Galatians that because we receive the gospel message, that now we're part of the family of God. We've been grafted into the vine. We've been adopted into the family of God. But by our own ethnicity, we would have been excluded. But God spoke up and said, no, 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 no. This isn't just for the Jews. This is for the world. This isn't just for a select group in the Middle East. This is for the world. This isn't just for a spiritual elite group. This is for the world. And today, you and I have freedom in this country that we serve in because missionaries, missionaries in the first century, in the second century, in the fifth, and the tenth, gave this gospel message. And now we sit here today having probably the greatest amount of power and influence in the world because of a thing called money. 
to literally change the world. I mean, it's amazing to me that in the last couple of weeks, within seven days, just on a texting effort, that over 25 to $35 million was raised for Haiti. That's awesome. People giving 10 bucks a pop, just simply texting. Maybe you do that. That's awesome. But can I tell you that, that Haiti will have its 15 minutes of fame, and it will be over, and there'll be another crisis that will come on the horizon, and the media will pick up on that, and there'll be another crisis, and the media will pick up on that. But what happened to Haiti? Well, we don't know because we're on to this other crisis because we are so just jumping from here to there to whatever. And that's the reason why God said, no, 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 no. It's not about the hot spot this week. It's not about the need this week. It's about the entire world. What are we doing? How are we strategically partnering. And I can tell you, anytime there's a worldwide crisis, we have a relationship with organizations that are on the ground. I've had friends this week that I've spoken with that that are in Haiti, that are there, that are telling me stuff that the media outlets aren't releasing, and things that are going on, and good and bad, that aren't aren't necessarily publicized. Because they're there, they're seeing it, they're doing it. And with text messaging and everything else, you can get information from literally around the world in just a matter of minutes. It's our responsibility. We are here because people decided, believed in missions. We are saved because of that. We have a church because of that. This church here, as a matter of fact, as I'm thinking about it, 10 years ago, a little, little uh, 10 years ago this fall, there was a group of people that decided there needs to be a church in Germantown. I know there's other churches, but I'm just talking about this particular church because people are willing to go and share the gospel message and people are willing to give of themselves. Here we are. And this thing's going to replicate itself over and over and over because that's the plan of God. And the cool thing is he's asking you and I to be a part of it. And you may cross your arms and go, well, I just don't know. I'll tell you what, I, that preacher, he, just, he stands up there all the time and asks for money and asks for this and that. And I don't even think he lives in the real world. And I'll tell you what, I wish he'd pull his head out of the sand. <laughs> One guy said to me, man, you just make me mad. There are weeks I just want to take my whole billfold and just throw it in the bucket. Just, you, you want all of it. Just, just take all of it. Let's talk about that for a minute. <laughs> this is just us. Here's what I know. Statistically speaking, we're the richest people in the world. We have more discretionary income, I don't care how tight things are for you, than any other people group in the world. If you've ever traveled outside of America, thank God for the USA. It is the most wonderful place in the world to live. And the Bible says, to whom much is given, much is required. And my responsibility as a senior leader, especially on these subjects, because understand, everything you give to missions and then some goes. The missions account is always in the red. If you ever want to know where the mission account is, it's, it, I don't know what the numbers are, but it's in the red. Because we give everything and then some. We wrote checks this past week, and we just had the general fund to kind of oversee it, to kind of help it out. It's kind of like an overdraft protection if you want to, because we believe that this is the greatest thing we can do. This is what the church exists for. It doesn't exist for us. It exists for the lost. And here's the bottom line. There's coming a day when this world's going to be over. And I don't know when your time's up, and I don't know when my time's up, and I don't know when the trumpet of the Lord will sound, and time will be no more, and Jesus will appear in the east. I don't know when that's going to happen, but here I know it's going to happen. And on that day, the Bible says we will give an account for this dress rehearsal called life here and now for what we've done. And on that day, I think, there, I think people that attended local churches will have one of two responses. They'll either look for their pastor to beat him up 
Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you push me? Why didn't you encourage me? Why didn't you get in my kitchen and stir the pots and pans and at least rattle some things in me? Because here I am, and I never realized that what I did there affected so much of how I live here. I'm backing a little bit of theological leeway on that one. But then I think there's another group, and this is the group I want you to be in. That when we see each other, you'll say thank you as one brother to another for getting in my kitchen and for stirring me up, for presenting opportunities, for keeping it in my face, for talking about it, for saying it, spraying it, willing it, dealing it, to continue to keep the fact that lost people are perishing and that I have a responsibility, that there are people with needs and I have the resources, that there are people that have questions and I have the answers, that there are people who are praying prayers today and I'm the answer to that prayer. Because you won't be able to look at me and say, you didn't tell me. You won't look at me and say, you didn't push me. You won't look at me and say, you never got in my kitchen and just made me mad. I want to throw the whole thing in. And if you feel that way today, go ahead and do it. My heart is not to offend you. But I know this life is so short. And I know we can be here today and gone tomorrow. And only what we do in this life for Jesus Christ is what translates. There are no U-Hauls behind hearses. There's no taking it out. And so every businessman in this room and businesswoman in this room, I want to push you. I want to help you to say, you know what? Give me something to give my life to. Give me something in which to leverage my time. Give me something to make me want to give up my vacation time and take discretionary money and give it and be a part of it and resources and leverage it for the kingdom. Student, I, I, I want to get in your craw because I, I want you to know that when you go on a mission trip, whether it's to an inner city or it's to a third world country, that life will change in your world. And mom and dad, it'll change. It'll change. Because they'll see God in those kids. They'll see God in those circumstances. They'll see God. And ultimately, I don't answer to you. I answer to him. And I didn't write it. It's all through the book. The entire Old Testament sets us up for the four Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which is the good news, and our responsibility is to give and go. That's what it's all about. It has nothing to do with religion. It has nothing to do with steeples and stained glass. It has nothing to do with preachers. and It has to do with the message of Jesus Christ changing people's lives.